Welcome to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. I am your host, Joanne Boyce. On this podcast, we're going to discuss all things inclusive marketing, from persona creation, campaigns, and even some of the mishaps we see in the media. Tune in and let me know your thoughts on how we can make inclusive marketing the industry standard. Welcome and welcome back. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in for another week. I am your host, Joanne Boyce. You're tuning in to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. And I am joined by someone who I've known for a hot minute in this inclusive marketing world, Charlotte Stavarou, formerly Charlotte Williams. We've probably mentioned her and dropped a couple of hints in other episodes. But welcome, Charlotte. How are you? Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I'm excited. We have been talking about influencer marketing in varieties of ways when it comes to inclusive marketing. But before we dive into that, tell people a little bit about what you do. So I am the founder and CEO of 76 Agency. We are an inclusive influencer marketing and talent management agency based in London. And we launched four years ago last week. Um, so we're still going strong, which is really exciting. Um and our aim is to essentially just pair amazing creators with amazing brands and bring them together and create campaigns that truly are inclusive in all senses of the word. Um, when I launched the agency, diversity and inclusion wasn't really a topic in 2019 that anyone spoke about. So mm-hmm. it was quite interesting to see the difference between 2019 um, welcoming and 2020 welcoming once we were a year in and um, Black Lives Matter resurgence kind of came about and yeah everyone wanted to talk about diversity so yeah it's been a journey and I think we've known each other throughout that journey because I remember talking before Um, like when we're doing the inclusive marketing workshop it's like how are we even selling this like what what do people want post 2020 it's like why is uh, everyone asking for this they're now (laughs) all interested (laughs) it's crazy it's such a journey but it's so interesting because I think when I first met you and we were talking about inclusive marketing. It kind of first sparked my idea of what this whole world itself is looking like. Because I know as much as the general marketer does about influencer marketing. So I don't know enough to be able mm-hmm. to advise on it. And I remember I'd always refer people to you. I'm like, if you're going to go down areas, go to Charlotte. That's your go-to person. Because it's not, you can't blanket apply the same yeah. rules. It's very different. The influencer world is it's a it's a special special part of the world but it's very specific and it moves so fast and it's um it's not it can't be treated as traditional marketing traditional digital marketing or traditional PR it is very much its own um entity and I think that's somewhat of the problem when people think about um incorporating influence marketing into their strategies they don't fully understand a how it works and b what the results could actually be Mm-hmm. and they don't appreciate like on the marketer to marketer side they don't appreciate it I've been around so many conversations mm-hmm. where it's like oh we'll just get a couple of influencers and I'm like, okay do you already have them do you already know who they are have you already sourced them no just you know send it to a couple of people yeah, nice yeah cool good luck with that <laughs> <laughs> no I think that's one of the biggest issues where people also don't understand what the need is for either having an in-house team that looks after your influence marketing um, and that ca- could be your PR team but they just have to be you know uh, they just have to understand what goes into it 
or working with an agency because influencer marketing is actually just about building relationships mm-hmm. and having your community and network um but I actually went to an event yesterday so just disclosing when what day we're uh, recording but <laughs> yesterday was a tube strike in London and it was almost impossible to get around the city and something that was really interesting is there were loads of events I don't know why but there were like 100 events just on that day and a lot mm. of them didn't get cancelled um so when I went to an event it was a 9am breakfast event which I would never normally do and it was in West London and I live in North London so that is like a, a itself. um but the the brand said they'd get taxis for everyone so that was that was really exciting um just a note on this um background note I am an influencer marketer but also moonlight as an influencer sometimes so you don't know who moonlight. I am that would be confusing but I yeah I moonlight as an influencer I went to this um event and the room was full and I was so shocked because it was a tube strike and everyone got there but it was the power of the PR so the the woman who does the PR for that brand is really lovely and makes it her mission to personally know the people that the brand works with And I think everyone wanted to come, not only because they liked the brand, but, and I didn't know much about the brand at the time. I just knew I liked like the clothes. Now I'm obsessed because the founder's amazing, but it was the the PR that got me there. And I think that is something that you don't often hear about is like the unsung heroes in the influence world. It's the, the professionals who make it their mission to be the evangelist for the brand that they work for and get people on board and that could be an agency that people just love the ethics and the people within the Mm -hmm. agency and then they just know that the brands that they're going to work with fit into you know into that category or it could be the brand itself but um yeah having a community that you could just be like it's a tube strike but you can you come to this 9am breakfast and everyone comes it's amazing because there was another brand that I didn't know that had a lunch um event to go to and in my defense it was actually impossible to get there like I I had to walk an hour across London to get to where I needed to be in the afternoon um I couldn't get there but there are loads of people I know that just said I can't go to that event and it's if I knew the PR I'd probably really try to get there there'd be a way but um I didn't I didn't have brand loyalty there and it was really hard to get there so um with all of that I felt really bad but yeah that um it makes a difference yeah it makes a difference but speaking about moonlighting (laughs) sorry was that because I have always known you as both influencer and agency owner did being an influencer influence influence you inspire you to start the agency so I often get interviewed and people think that I was an influencer turned marketer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always wanted to work in marketing. That was always my plan. When I was at school, I used to put on, um, I actually got reminded of this the other day, but I got I used to put on gigs in my local area and everything was like marketing based. We used to have like really cool flyers. There was always a charity link. It was just like, I was really into like pushing these events. They were always sold out. We always made loads of money for the charities. Um, there was a lot of underage drinking and that's probably the reason why it sold out but there um, it was good times I was also 16 at the time so that's 16 17 Um, but the uh, the idea of marketing and social media has always been embedded into my brain 
MySpace was my everything. Like that is where I decided that whatever this is, I want to do that as a living. I don't know Mm -hmm. what that is. So I was really into coding um, and all of that stuff. So I studied languages at uni when I graduated. And during my last year at uni, I was doing a bit of freelancing for a social media company, did some internships um, slash apprenticeships, but unofficial. They were just basically really poorly paid jobs that um, I learned a lot from. And uh, just started doing social media for for like brands that didn't really understand it. But because I've always understood it, because I made it my mission to, that's just mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. The blogging came at a similar time because I started blogging in 2010, but that wasn't really to be a blogger or an influencer because that wasn't really on my mind at the time. That came in 2012. Um, I started a blog because I wanted to document my travels because I, I did a year abroad. And then... I found like YouTube and the blogging world. So I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I created a fashion blog, but I never took it seriously. Like I took it seriously as in like, I bought the domain. I mm. did all the marketing stuff that I knew how to do because I was a professional marketer. But I always knew that I wanted to work in marketing. I wanted like that corporate role. And then mm-hmm. the stuff was like a bonus. Um, and then as I got more into my career, so I used to head um, the digital side for... Hello Kitty well Sam Rio which is the the brand that owns Hello Kitty and I used to look after the EMEA markets and I loved that because influencer was a really big part of my strategy and um I knew loads of influencers because I was an influencer so I was able to really build great connections with creators at the time because I was going to events I was meeting them I was seeing what other people were doing and I was like oh we should use this person and we just created really cool campaigns off the back of the fact that I had a really good network and it Mm. was a mixture between being an influencer and always being out and seeing people and going to the events and posting content and building relationships online and then also um being a professional marketer and I realized then that was 2016 but I realized then that that for me was always going to be my my path. Um, mm-hmm. Even if I didn't do, so there was like a year where I did loads of campaigns as an influencer, which was great. But then there's time like now where I don't, I think I've done one this year um, because I just don't, I don't really have the time to do it, which is sad because, you know, it's great money. But yeah. I, I would know, say like, so it sounds like you have the hybrid of a really good networker in marketing. Because I think that's what happens yeah. with marketers who are good at networking. They become known one way or another. Yeah. We're now doing more agency stuff. Yeah. Do you still feel, because there's this, always this level, the more senior you go, the less the practitioner you actually are in the thing. Yeah. How is that I feeling? Feel, I have been feeling a bit disconnected from the influence space because I've gone from working on campaigns and and being an influencer myself and then on the other side working on campaigns with my team and being like the creative director for a lot of the campaigns to now being the CEO because in the last year I've jumped from founder to see founder and CEO which was an important step for me because I I I didn't ever feel that comfortable calling myself a CEO because I didn't do what a CEO did I didn't understand Mm. what that was and now I've I've um I understand my job and I've yeah I've created my role to be just a bit a bit more boring um but 
it's it's good it's going to build the business to where it needs to be but um I definitely feel disconnected so something I'm doing now um is launching my TikTok and it's really humbling and funny but I'm not doing it to become a TikTok star um even though internally we joke about it um I'm doing it because I need to understand how this app works for the creators because on Instagram I fully understand how it works and so do all my team in the in the sense that we use me to test things so if something goes wrong it doesn't matter because it's me so we like use my account there are things like putting spend on influencers posts can sometimes affect their engagement and now we it's happened to me recently where my engagement has dropped from like 3.5 percent to 0.86 percent because a brand put money behind my post Mm. um in January and it just didn't it just didn't work in the way it should have I the 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 audience wasn't the correct target audience it yeah the engagement just wasn't there so because of that um my yeah my numbers dropped but we knew this was happening and we've been warned by other talent managers that they don't want spend behind their posts and, and things like that so um now I've got a case study but I feel comfortable showing my numbers and maybe not my own talent because they don't want to be kind of thrown under the bus. Yeah. I feel comfortable throwing myself under the bus because I'm very aware of like what my job is and being an influencer is very much a side side part for me. So yeah, I um, there's definitely a disconnect at the moment, but I'm going to fill the gap because I've got this new side hustle where I'm building my strategy around TikTok, but then that helps the creators that we work with if I can build because I'm the strategy leader so if I can successfully build my own strategy then obviously I'm going to be able to build everyone else's so I'll somewhat challenge you on the successfully part because it's a weird one I think when you're a practitioner and a strategist I think we successfully experiment because yeah. I've had it where people are like, oh you're a social media manager your account should be this and I'm like I'm not an influencer I'm a social mm. media manager. I That was my background. I experiment on my account. I don't expect it to be successful because I'm trying so many things, so many strategies. Yeah, It it doesn't make sense to the algorithm because it's all over the place. It's not consistent in one thing. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's the kind of the sword, <laughs> the sword we fall on. I don't think I, so I have this, um, a friend of mine who's a social media um, freelancer and she has one of the most incredible accounts I've ever come across. It's beautiful, but she doesn't have loads of followers, but she doesn't care. She doesn't want to be an influencer. She's just creating beautiful content. And she, yeah, it's just amazing. But she, she's not posting to grow. And I always look at her and think it's so funny because I know how talented she is as a social media um, professional. And I'm like, I wonder if any of her clients ever look at her, con like get content and be like, oh, you know, she doesn't get that many, she hasn't got many followers, she doesn't get that many likes. But then if you look at the content that she creates, that is really showcasing her ability. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's an interesting world because the marketing world is all about vanity, me vanity metrics. And um, you can really get lost in it. And I see a lot of agency mm -hmm. owners or people, freelancers who just, switch overnight and like actually no I want to become an influencer um and then start kind of selling their soul in a way that's mm -hmm. not actually uh yeah it's not who they are or, or what they're actually capable of 
And I just find it really interesting. The social media blows my mind. But I think that's why I am a really bad consumer because I understand marketing so well. You that analyze it. But nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have like every, the disconnect I'm having now is people saying that they've bought stuff off Instagram ads. And I'm just like, I have never felt the need to but probably because I'm breaking down the ad rather than consuming the content yeah. to buy it. I love Instagram ads. So I have um like a whole folder of like ads that I've seen on like, I'm really into like, buy my course, <laughs> sign up to my newsletter. Da, da, da. I love those ones. And I don't have a course that currently is selling online or anything, maybe in the future, um, or a newsletter like that that I'm pushing to consumers. Um, but I love to analyze them and I down I I'm a sucker for those ones I download things but it's because I want to analyze what it is I've got another email address that I literally if you go in it it's like it's awful it's just loads of those um like get rich fast schemes where I'm just trying to analyze the content because they do work these people do make money so I'm like tell me more it's just a different world whereas like product I'm not I've never bought product off of an ad like an advertisement mm-hmm. I have definitely bought products off of influencers um yes influencers and that side of things I have but I've seen people in front of me swipe on an ad and buy it there and then and I'm just like I I don't understand because but wow. you mentioned something about the differences in between the styles of influencing and I'm wondering if there's anything you can share in regards to the American style and the British style I feel like it's different on the external looking in but have you experienced differences we don't work too much in the US we're very Europe based but it is something I talk about a lot so influencer marketing from what I can see and with friends who work in the states um in the US is it's a bit more hardcore and I think it's just because they've got a bigger audience you know we're in a tiny island in the UK. So we're really not pushing to that many people unless we're doing an international campaign. Um, In the US, it's a lot bigger. So they've got more opportunity. So I do definitely see things like they're not as consistent with their kind of legal side. So like we're the ASA, the Advertising Standards Authority, in the UK, it's really cracking down on influencer campaigns and not using hashtag ad or ad or advertisement and disclosing your ads appropriately. They're really cracking down on that, which is like, I'm all for structure. And I think it's really important that we have rules in our in our um, industry, but I don't fully agree with how they see advertising in the influencer space. I think they are very disconnected. Um, mm. They compare in the UK, it's a bit of a um, tangent, but in the UK, they, they compare influencer marketing as if it's like TV advertisement or entertainment. And they, they, it's very much the same thing. So like recently, um, and actually Sarah McCork, well, Cork Studios and Sarah McCorkdale, the founder um, of Cork, have just released a podcast. And I listened to it an episode yesterday. Um, it's just like influence insights. It's like four minutes snippets um and they um were talking about the asa and how they're cracking down on um influencers who own brands not Mm -hmm. disclosing when they're posting about the brands 
So if I were to have a water bottle brand and I was saying, oh, you know, this is, I love this water bottle that is from my brand and I don't use ads, um, there's like this assumption that the audience doesn't know they're being sold to. But like, if I was to talk about seven six, that I have an assumption that my followers know that I have an ulterior motive because seven six is my brand. So yeah. I think they I and I I have a lot of issue with ad using ad because it does sometimes and I know the platforms don't like to say this, but we can see it, you know, it's there, the data is showing it. It does um sometimes plummet and ruin your ads. So if you post just the hashtag. Just the word ads is there's something algorith- algorithmically that okay. it just like if you post an ad, ads are tricky because you're not always going to get it unless you can, you're a creator that can be consistent with all your content and you mm. can get buy-in from the brand to make sure that you, you're, even if it's an ad, it looks like an organic piece of content that you would have naturally posted um, rather than following like a strict brief. Um, aud- audiences don't normally engage with your content as much if it's an ad because they know they're being sold to. So that's fine. But we can see like story views go completely plummeted um, going down when you post an ad. But like, how is that? In my opinion, I'm not a data expert, but like the, the audience hasn't even seen the story yet. So how can they think, oh, there's an ad coming that they, they don't know it's coming? On a yeah. data science AI aspect, it would make sense and they wouldn't be able to explain it. There are aspects of AI models that are just left to satisfy who they're serving. So if a vast majority of people naturally click off ads, they start assuming it across the board and then that gets naturally associated with that tag. I'm curious though, because if that's the case with the hashtag ad, which is a very short tag. And it's sometimes not even a hashtag. Sometimes it's just ad. It's just seeing Just a word. Just ad, yeah. Ad or hashtag ad. Because you don't actually have to use a hashtag. It could be ad, hashtag ad or advertisement. So the stats are showing that it's going down. Then what about, because I also saw some stats around when you hashtag black women or hashtag anything that was like LGBT, there was some negative negative results for influencers using those hashtags. Mainly on TikTok, I saw it. Yeah. How does that look when you combine those two things? Because I know a lot of the influencers you work with uh, or work with are part of, various communities yeah so we've actually been all right with the creators that we look after we haven't had we've had one of our creators who violated guidelines because she naturally swears quite a lot so that's one thing (laughs) that we didn't realize and recently we've been like oh she's now been banned from using certain products on certain platforms because she just says the can you swear on this podcast yeah go ahead she just says bitch a lot and it's not like she's not being horrible to anyone it's not abuse it's not um bullying behavior it's like also a lot of the time it's to her friends and um she's been yeah banned from using certain tools as like punishment for it so we're working with that um but that makes sense it is it's a profanity like I I get it but I found it quite funny um it's not funny at all uh for her platform but I just the, the context the exactly. context but in going back to the asa related it to tv ads you can say bitch on tv so yeah 
So it's not the, necessary, but that isn't ASA. That's like the specific platforms, and mm. it's like protecting um, from bad behavior, it's like bullying and stuff. So I don't, I don't know. But um, yeah, we've been really lucky with our talent that we haven't had, as far as I'm aware, anything negative. Um, but I don't know how much a lot of our creators use hashtags. To be completely honest with you, really, um, yeah. Some of them do, some of them don't. I think they thrive off of just um, making great content that gets sent around. Yeah, the shares are quite high for a lot of our creators. Um, but I know one of your creators pretty well, Beulah. Um, oh, Beulah is like, she had a phase where she was going through memes and was just hitting the mark. I love that I phase. Think. I want that phase oh, to come man. back. Yeah. <laughs> meme queen but yeah so a lot of your for those who don't know Beulah is a influencer mainly in the hair world and she's very dark skin and we've had conversations I think I'll have on the podcast actually I've had conversations with her about just the lack of representation of darker skin hair influencers within the black hair community yeah and I had a look on the website and you have quite a lot of influencers who are from those backgrounds that aren't getting spotlighted as much in different in makeup hair was that your intention to work with as influencers how how did that come around absolutely we um so we launched the talent management side in 2020 mm-hmm. um and it's something i always wanted to do but covid and that lockdown and our growth really pushed us forward with that which was great i thought we were going to launch it in like 2020 maybe that this year 2023 but 2020 um we went straight in and I said I want to look as a business we were focused around working with people of color and minority groups um pushing them to the forefront of campaigns putting them in spotlights so brands could see them so I said when we launch our talent management side I specifically want to work with people of color um because they are under underrepresented a lot of agencies in 2020 weren't picking them up or us up um and it was a need um so when we launched we launched with I think four different creators um and now we're on 11 and growing as our team grows we're able to grow the roster but we are a boutique agency so we can't grow too far because otherwise we're not gonna be able to get anyone any work because it will be too uh too thinly spread but we really wanted to share with the brands that we know. And bear in mind, I've worked in marketing and as an influencer for the last decade plus. So my little black book is quite big. So mm-hmm. I wanted to share these creators with the little black book that I had and then create more contacts. And that's what we've done. But it was because we knew that a lot of these creators that we we signed, they had like fan bases. They had people that were like, excuse the Gen Z term, but like gagging for their content. Yeah. Like literally, like Michael Brooks is someone that we look after and we signed him. He was like one of our first signings. He is one of the few people I know that has like, if you look in his tagged photos, he's got fans. People recreate his, his work, his art. And that is so beautiful to see and he is mixed race light skin so he's raci- he looks racially ambiguous and that's something we we talk about a lot um so he something i love about that man 
is how he refuses to take up space where he doesn't feel like he should um, be or where someone else's voice should be heard more than him. Mm-hmm. And I am just obsessed with how his brain works and how empowering he is or the empowerment he gives to specifically black women and darker skinned black women. Um, so I'm a big fan of his and um, we wanted to showcase, but he's also from the LGBTQ community. He had so many people using his looks and and sharing, you know, his content, but brands just really weren't seeing it. I met him in 2019 at an event. And one of the questions he asked at the, at the panel talk in, in, in this event was, um, I'm looking to get more brand partnership deals, but at the moment I'm just getting gifting and I don't really know how to like turn that um, turn that around. And I remember the answer, I was infuriated. The answer from the panel was, oh, just, you know, if you work hard, the brands will, will see you. And, mm. and I, I, was, I was literally like clenching my fists, grinding my teeth, like this is not okay. So I went up to him, I was like, I'm a really big fan of your work. I, I followed him on Twitter at the time. And I was like, if you ever need any help, just let me know. But you are doing a really great job, but it's not you, it's the industry. Just know that. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, um, I messaged him. I was like, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm obsessed with you and I really want to sign you. We don't have any experience in this and you'd be our first signing. Um, so you have to take a, like a, a chance on us, but you know, we love you. And now, yeah, he's still with us. He is thriving as a creator. He's really come into his own um, professionally. He's a professional creator by trade. That's what he does. He used to be a makeup artist. He stopped um, makeup artistry um, in that sense. He now just does private clients um, as and when. Um, But his focus is on art in the beauty Mm -hmm. space. And he's a perfect example of that kind of turnaround of like he just needed someone to back him and the same with Beulah same with all of our other creators they just needed someone to back them and be like oh you want to come so we get a lot of um people come for like a certain type of influencer because we have a full spectrum of creators and that's always been really important to us just making sure that you can see the world in our roster so question on that brief aspect um I have had, so in some of my workshops where they're like, oh, we've tried to get influencers from this agency, but they keep sending us white men. And I'm just like, did you ask them for black women? Oh, we can't ask for that. Oh, you absolutely can. Thank you. I just needed someone to say it. Like you, there's a need. I I don't see that as being a problem. If you can spot a need in your content or on your platform, where you're not targeting enough you've got a black audience that you need to serve or you want to serve a black audience you don't have them you're going to have to find creators that fit you know fit into that box and you have to be specific so we launched our influence network off the back of that so if you come to us we've got a database of um i don't know what the numbers are now because we've we've just um we're actually rebranding it so when this comes out you're probably here as the creator club not the influencer network um so i think it that the switchover is next week but um we are just over a thousand so about 1500 influencers that we work with on a non-exclusive basis but it's a database on our end so you we ask them very specific questions around their them as a person so their ethnicity um whether you know where they're from do they speak other languages um are they part of the LGBTQI plus community? 
do they have a, a long-term illness the, all these kind of things and if someone says to us okay we really want to focus on black women in manchester who are beauty creators um can you send us you a list that. yeah we're like click 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 here you go um so we do a lot of that with brands and they love us for it because it's so quick and easy um we're always trying to add more creators onto the onto the database or into the club so that's why we're we're rebranding it and making it really fun and accessible and exciting um because we just want to attract the the most amazing influencers and you can be signed or unsigned to to join the club um for us we'll always go through your management um if if you're if you are signed but we just want to have access to really strong creators and we have it but you know there's millions of creators across the globe we want to get as many of them in front of our brands so yeah that's what we do but it's so important to just know what you have so Mm -hmm. we have this network of amazing people we know who they are we know anecdotally because we've met a lot of them what they're capable of so if recently we've had like someone that we sent abroad for a campaign and we knew who they were we knew they could drive it was for a car company um it was a travel thing like everything like aligned for this person we didn't even have to think about anyone else we're like oh they're perfect sent sent them you know to spain for this campaign um but that's what i love about my company we just we do really random things that just tend to work but i think you've without directly saying it you've done the thing that a lot of people in the sector when they're looking for diverse influencers miss you still make sure they fit the brief overall oh yeah just you've been saying it and I'm just like I don't know you realize how rare that is especially when I talk to clients they're like oh we've just had this campaign oh um could you just could you just find someone and I'm like what is the topic what is the this the what is what is the thing I'm not just going to send you a random black woman or send you I need context yeah you do it so naturally yeah it just because it makes sense and I think it's because I've I've worked in-house my entire career and then I started an agency so I know what if we worked with an agency I would be because my brands always had such tight budget and I'm also very tight frugal some would say so (laughs) I I never want to spend money on something I could do myself so I always want to ensure that whatever the ROI I desired that would be given to me from the agency so I want to ensure that when clients come to us they're getting what they want and sometimes they don't know how to articulate what they want and they don't really Mm -hmm. know what they want um we have a lot of clients who they really want to get into this gen z market and they really want to do stuff but they're just so not there they don't understand the language they don't understand what they're looking for and we'll send them people over and they'll be like "Mm, I'm not sure and then we'll be like, why aren't you sure? And the reasons are always because like they don't look that professional, they don't look this, da, da, da. and it's because they don't understand the TikTok world. You know, mm. they don't understand that the content that's going to perform is like chaotic, like basically teenagers running around telling their fun stories in a way that their peers mm-hmm. are used to hearing. And I think that's really important to note that if you pick an agency, they should know how that works. So we know I'm not a Gen Z person and I'm really learning from my team, but I have a team that really understands the audience that we're trying to target. And um, 
we can feed that back to the client. And if they don't, sometimes we get pushback and we're like, okay, talk us through the why on your side and we'll tell you the why on ours. And it's always because they just don't get it. They don't get it at all. Um, I'm curious to know. So that's the big agencies. Is there anything you would give or any advice you would give to a small business owner or a solo marketeer wanting to diversify the influencers they work with? Like, because I've heard some horror stories about how some influencers get approached and just generally um, even go into some of the stuff that I've seen in the screenshot from the uh, pay gap report. Mm. What tips would you give to small business owners when approaching influencers? I think if we take it back to basics, so when I do my, so I do influencer marketing training courses and inclusive marketing training courses, but it's specifically around the influencer marketing world. Um, I make that really clear because that is what I know outside. Like I know how marketing works, but I've spent my entire career really honing in on this niche. And if it ever goes away, I'm screwed. But um, I think I always hone in on traditional marketing practices of like building your buyer personas and understanding who your target audience are and all of that kind of stuff when building your influencer network or community. And I really make people understand that you might have Sophie, Millie and Jennifer as your, you know, uh, buyer personas or customer personas. But Sophie, Millie and Jessica could be three different types of people. They're not one person, as in Sophie might be three. Sophie might be, you know, she'll have a certain income and um, maybe lives in a certain area, go into a certain school, whatever. But she could be black. She could be South Asian. She could be East Asian. She could be like all these different types of people. She could actually be gay. Like There's so many different things that she could be. Um, but we're thinking about her as one person because when we put things together, as much as we're trying to take it from the data that we have, we're also taking it from our like our biases and our, and our personal mm-hmm. experience. So when we think about the Sophies that we know, maybe the Sophie that I would know is different to a Sophie that, you know, one of the girls I went to school with would know. Um, and I went to school in Hertfordshire, so I'm using that as an example. Um, it's predominantly white. Um, the area I grew up in was predominantly white area. So um, I think it's really important just to know that and know that sometimes you might need a little bit of a helping hand. I love a focus group. I love taking people out and having a chat with them um, and bringing them into the fold. So yeah. a lot of the times you need to diversify your people by finding someone that can help you do that. And if you don't have the budget to do that, you need to be really creative in a way that's mutually beneficial. So if you don't have two grand a month to spend on an agency, but you do have 50 pounds that you could take someone out for a coffee and a you know a backload of product that you could give them, why don't you say, I want to do this? Um I so let's say it's a, a beauty brand and they mm-hmm. really want to find you know the right people to to speak to they found one creator that they love and they think yeah they'll be really good um to then build their kind of community around um Mm -hmm. take that person out and be like listen absolutely love what what you're doing either would love to work with you on a freelance basis where you just kind of work with us as a creator but then also um introduce us to other people so we can build our, our, our network 
that's not going to cost you the same as an agency. Or I'm really putting us out of jobs here, but or you take them out and you you know say I want to throw an event or I want to do whatever. You pay them for one campaign and say you're in charge. Why don't you invite your people to this dinner or to these drinks or whatever it might be? Let's get you involved. Then you're like building your community, and then you've got the backing of that person. And these are just like tiny little things that you could do. Um, some of them will involve money, some of them won't. Um, and then also working with agencies that understand you that different budgets seven six work with a lot of small businesses and we have a small business rate that's different to our, which i think is very common practice that's mm. different to our um kind of normal rate different. and we don't take mm-hmm. on as many small businesses because um we just wouldn't be able to afford to but we do we're for us equity is really important so we do want to help as many people as possible even if it's you know we can't work with you but here's a downloadable that we've created that you can like get some information from um that right, we don't share yes. with the world yeah um but there's tell so many me, things you can do um you mentioned a downloadable tell me about the pay gap report and my baby so baby. um <laughs> we in 2021 we launched an influencer pay gap report which <laughs> focused around essentially we work with so many creators that we love and we don't always see the love in the same way from brands so there's definitely an issue for us between our maybe racially ambiguous creators and our darker skin tone creators or our um kind of lighter skin creators and our dark skin uh, like mixed race like visibly black mixed race creators and, and vice versa same with south asian whatever there's there's a difference with how sometimes they are received by brands mm-hmm. and we were so aware of it. Like everyone in our business, we have email examples of the, the, the ignorance and the, the the ways that they get around not even talking about the fact that they don't want to work with this person because they look like that. Um, and it was really bumming us out because we wanted to like, in the nicest way possible, be like, this is racist. <laughs> <laughs> but in our industry, we have to be very careful because yep. you know, what could a call out for one creator could jeopardize something for another. So yeah. we have to be very um, specific with how we choose to to voice our concerns. Um, and I was like, right, we need data. That's all we need. So we knew what the data would say. We just needed to get it from people. So we, we sent a survey out to brands, agencies and influencers. The brands and agencies had one, influencers had another. And it basically talked through the... Um, the budgets and what they would normally pay a creator for brands and agencies with no race um, or ethnicity involved. You didn't mention mm-hmm. it once. And then for the um, for the influencers, we asked them specific questions about um, how much they charge, do they feel comfortable with how they charge, what their, um, what their ethnicity is. Uh, I can't remember the exact details that we asked them for, but it was all about finding out who they were as well as what they charged, as well as how they felt about the link between the two. And the the numbers were really um, jarring for a lot of people to read, but we knew that what they would be. And um, it basically showed that there was a massive gap between Black and Southeast Asian influencers. We didn't actually look into skin tones on this one, and we definitely should have. If we do another... Um, 
race-related report we'll, we'll, we'll look at skin mm -hmm. tone um which was a miss for us but we we know you know we know between us what, what's going on um and we yeah the numbers really show that there was a massive difference in pricing and how influencers priced themselves but then also with how confident they were with their pricing so that led to us then being like okay cool so if we want to before we released the report we were like right if we want to make a difference here what for me I'm all about action so yes I've got this data and I can share it with the world but what can I also do to help make a change so we basically got their pricing that they gave us and then we made it um we like we visualized it analyzed it um we analyzed the data and we basically pulled um pricing brackets from what people were charging um along with um insights from how much we pay our creators um and we made pricing brackets for instagram specifically so if you have one to five thousand followers you'll get this much five to ten thousand followers you'll get this much um based on good engagement um and we noted that good engagement at the time was between two to four percent um and it did so well like it it's used now that same report is used across the board I have had people from some of the biggest companies in the world stop me at events and be like oh I actually sent your report to our internal comms team this this week because they had problems with pricing um, and we wanted to you know make sure that we're pricing fairly I've got creators that have completely changed their lives um, because they've been pricing incorrectly and they now know what they should be using we've had people send the report as um, a response to poorly paid campaigns and say, you know, this is what, what this is. Um, we worked really hard to, to get that out. So I'm, I'm really proud of that one. But then we had so many people ask us for another report with more insights. So they wanted um, data on TikTok and YouTube and an update mm -hmm. on Instagram if, if there was one. So we sent out another report this year, another survey, sorry, this year that... Um, asked about pricing how much people price themselves for for those three platforms youtube tiktok and instagram instagram was fine um not much had changed apart from nano influencers they're paid more but that's because of the rise of ugc content creation and, and people paying smaller creators to just to make content for their for their social media platforms um tiktok was so alarming i felt physically sick um we had so many creators send through the numbers that they were charging and they were so low because TikTok is a wild, wild place. Low and in relation to creators of color and white creators? What just across the board. It was bizarre. And we actually we have the data, but we haven't analyzed the kind of creators of color versus white creator data at all. Um because I'm not that interested in that anymore. I've moved beyond that. And I I know it sounds crazy. We did a report last year in collaboration with MSL Group, which talks through the influencer pay gap again and understanding if there's been a change and things like that. And and that it's still bad. You know, there's still a massive gap between creators of color and white creators. And it jumps when it's a, a black creator compared to a white creator and a South Asian creator compared to a white creator. There's also issues with diversity in terms of age and um ability and there's mm -hmm. massive pay gaps there um the the data exists i've done it i i just you, i can't keep regurgitating the same narrative 
you my heart just sank then because i hear you because you you're in it and sometimes when you're in it it feels like it's it's known it's just everyone should know i know i know but we only released that report last year so i'm like there's going to be no change there was no change between 2021 and 2022 i'm not going to do another report in 2023 um we'll do one in in like three years time to see if there's been a change but that that's it's not long enough to to see a difference but what is important is giving tools to to create change so this report um we gave people tools to price themselves correctly no matter what you looked like how old you were if you you know fall fell into whatever diversity pillar category these are the this is the tool that you need to set your minimum pricing for a campaign with a brand and we talked through it was a very specific report we talked through the pricing brackets what engagement looks like how to ma- how to measure it we gave insights on what people looked for in tiktok so it's not about followers it's about likes and views and um, it's about consistency in those likes as well um and and those views and that's how you can charge we talked through contracts and you know this is your base rate but then if they want to have you exclusively as a creator um, for a month or two weeks, whatever it is, you have to charge them more. If they want extra deliverables, so post on TikTok and Instagram or post a video and a story, you charge more. Um, we talked through how to price yourself as a creator. We gave all the information. So if you in 2023 don't know how to price yourself as a creator, it's because you haven't seen the report. And we're now trying to create a strategy to push this report out to, to as many people. But in the first three days of it going live, it had a thousand downloads and 70% of those downloads came from creators and the rest were from um, brands and agencies. So people are using the report. I, I think I know what my my thing is and this is my bias. You're focused on giving tools to the creators. Yeah. I guess my gut is having a moment of my lack of faith in humanity of like even if they have the pricing and they go into these agencies and brands and so forth the but yes. that is not you don't have to do the whole thing I'm taking a step back in what I'm I'm no, now no, no, like no. reassessing I'm totally aware of that and we are doing some work so we've we've um we're working quite closely with MSL group and um some other people to really talk through pricing and and educate brands and other agencies mm. on what's what's important the only issue I have with our industry the advertising industry in general is they don't care and this is really sad um but when we posted the report um out to press Mm -hmm. it didn't get picked up this time because it's not about race and that is the trending topic right now and it really blew my mind and we were like and the same has happened in the past but unless it's got that hot angle on like racism you know and I'm like no 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 this is what we need to end the issue not end it but like to help the issue like I don't want to talk about data anymore that's showing that there's a a massive contrast between what people are being paid I want to give people the ability to be paid properly no matter what who they are and then we have a, a, a kind of standardization in the industry but it will never be standard because of all the the things that go into a campaign. A campaign is never, and we say that in the report, it's never just post this. There's always, you know, extra usage or whatever it might be that ex- changes the price. But it really blew my mind when we pitched it out to press that no one cared because it wasn't about racism. So you're, this, 
I, this sounds weird, but going back to some of the very early conversations you and I ever had, yeah. this means that you're on the right path. Because in three years time, they will yeah. pick up that report. Because it's the same thing with inclusive marketing. When we both first started, yeah. everyone was just like, what is this term? What is going on? We were the crazy ones. Still are. You've gone to the other level of not crazy, but, you know, thinking in a new way. Yeah. Like, the fact that I'm, I the issue I'm having now is that people want to talk about inclusive marketing and they're still trying to fit it into their their for good budget or you know they're doing a specific yeah. campaign and like I'm like no CSR I want to do yeah I want to do intersectional in what you're doing now I don't want to do black history man I don't want to do but that's where they still are yeah and it's so every time we talk I'm always just like I see the the comparisons like where you're hitting is where I'm hitting now where they're still stuck there and we're trying to move forward it really annoys me because I'm always just like bet on me bet on me because I created that I was one of in this space so inclusive marketing is a, is a weird little space that there aren't many people doing it no, so like in your space you're a pioneer because you were one of the few people that actually like created a, a company around it in the in- influencer space there isn't an inclusive marketing I think no there's there's like one that I knew of um when we launched but it's a complete it's not it's nothing like what we do but yeah there, there was like one inclusive influencer marketing agency that focused on changing the narrative in the influencer space um but they are so different to what we do and the clients that we have are completely different we're very much kind of mainstream um like global brands whereas they're a bit more niche um Mm -hmm. and just the fact that I built a business when no one was talking about this I got all the doors shut in my face in 2019 and then 2020 everyone came back bet on me that in 2023 what I'm saying is gonna be the future so just take what I'm saying and it blows my mind because you can't give me all of these awards put me in all of your publications tell me I'm a, I'm a pioneer and I'm this I'm that and then ignore the fact that I'm telling you something very clearly and you're not ready to hear it just 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 jump in now it's just quicker just jump in like get in my car beep beep I'm here so I'm laughing because I feel your pain but I also I'm laughing because it's so I had this whole thing of you get to spotlight, um, saturation, normalization. I okay. feel like spotlight is what happened in 2020. There was this like, spotlight on black lives. Then we had the whole 2021 of saturation, saturation. You want to get everyone to the normalization stage. They want to go back to spotlight. You want yeah. them to be like, oh, it's normal now. No, they, everyone's still stuck in spotlight and as someone who's gone through that cycle a couple of times, I also did it with International Women's Day where people were reaching out to me only in March to talk about stuff and da-da-da. I'm like, no, let's do it all year round. They're like, no, no, no. And then they come back around in March again. I'm like, I am. My hope is the industry is moving. I don't think it is yet. I think we've probably got another, we've got two years. One of two things will happen. Technology will force us to change our thinking. Mm. And I think it's doing that with copywriters right now. They're probably having the a, ho- yeah. a huge time. Um, but also in your space, I think if they continue to create influencers who look like black and brown individuals, disabled individuals, LGBT people, and make them in AI fictional models, but white men are making them, there oh, is going okay. that, that is a controversy waiting to happen. Yeah, we will- are prepping for this at the moment it's one of our side projects that we haven't fully stepped our toe in but I'm ready to take 
Philippe as soon as we finished our rebrand and we've we're, we're hiring at the moment so once I've got everything out all the admin out of the way in my life the metaverse and AI conversations are really important to me um and it's something that I've been for the last year um dipping my toe in and out of but I'm I'm almost ready to like take it seriously but it's a car crash waiting to happen it's waiting to I'll happen. be there to, to clean it up I'm fine but if we could prevent it that would be great so I need to yeah get myself get myself ready I don't think prevent it I will I'm curious to know how you felt with the whole 2020 situation where I had a little bit of uncomfortableness that it took the murder of a black man for people to start content contacting me and valuing what I'm doing yeah 2020 to 2021 was a really tough time um we as a business over just after the death of or the murder of George Floyd we actually had to take some time off so I think as a business we took one to two weeks off collectively um where we were getting all these people like come to us and we were just like no we can't because we were in essentially a space of mourning um because we were totally aware of what had happened um we actually had someone leave in 2021 because they just found the job so overwhelming because of that reason mm-hmm. um we were doing so well and they were so great to this day one of the brightest kind of marketers I've ever I've ever met and I was really sad to see them leave but I completely un- understood um we it was just so hard and I actually burnt out in 2021 and had to take some time off which I don't openly talk about um I took four months out between December and April um mm. 2022 um which is why I did so many ads in December 2021 because I needed to pay for myself to not be working um for a few months but I um it finally caught up we were able to, I think a lot of us were able to ignore what was going on just to get the job done. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you just sit back and you're like, that, wow. What, that equation of things. But I, I I mentioned that as well, because I feel like, and I hope this is not the case. As things are starting to settle a little bit now, I'm feeling it anyways. I think another crisis is on the thing where they'll, uh, and it's, in, it's inevitable in our industry because within advertising, within marketing, you have PR public relations but you have crisis comms you have all these things and you would think that as marketers we're aware that we need to plan but we're just so reactive and I feel like in that whole um AI created influencer space they're not gonna they're not it's not gonna not happen it's gonna blow up oh gosh I'm so ready for it I've so I was on um uh I hosted a stage at a conference that was very much around the metaverse, well, my stage was around the metaverse last year. And then I've sat on so many panels and and watched so many panels that we talk about the metaverse and AI and AR and how everything's about to change. And diversity comes up every single time. And there's always someone singing from that, that hymn sheet that's saying, you know, it's going to be great. You know, it's going to be so, um, you know, empowering for diverse people using that the terms that they like to say. You know, you, you can have, you know, disability and be able to walk in the metaverse if you're in a wheelchair and like all of this crazy shit. And I've had, I've been on a panel and I am, Sophie Morgan 
said it really nicely on a panel that was on last year um, for a meta event. And she said she's finding the whole concept to be quite scary because there are certain people that want to escape their disability but a lot of people with disabilities don't want to escape their disability mm-hmm. because that is who they are and that is their identity and they're worried about what that could you know what that could lead to on the internet or on web3 and then there's the idea of people being able to just become whoever they want to be yep we already cosplay blackness now without technology yeah it's freaking me out the fact that you know there are these ai creators that exist and a lot of them are created by men and they're young women and there's just so much wrong with it there's so much wrong so i feel like ai is i actually saw a meme yesterday on instagram i don't know if i saved it but it was copywriters and AI and it was like a cartoon and it was mm-hmm. like on one side it was like I love AI no AI no it was AI can do my job and it's a guy looking out the window and it's all sunny and smiling and the other on the other side it's AI can do my job and it's the same guy and it's like raining and like he's like full-on depressed and um it looks really sad and it's like that realization of like wow it's wonderful to wow actually it's not what I thought it was going to be and I no longer exist Charlotte, I don't know if this will come with any, I don't know. But based on everything I've researched, the way AI is currently going, we will still be employed for a very long time. (laughs) It is not going to, unfortunately, because a lot of our work is helping other agencies and other individuals correct their biases, the AI is just going to, it's increasing that tenfold. Yeah, because the problem with AI is that the biases are already in the AI mm-hmm. because it's taking from, you know, the internet and everything mm-hmm. that we've consumed in life. And that's, there's a lot wrong there. So um, the job continues because, yeah, <laughs> it's just the same people just regurgitating the content onto the internet and then it being pulled into our exciting, wonderful 30 second blog post that we've been able to generate, but it's come from a place where, it's just not good content. I don't know. It's yeah. Hey. There's a, well, we do we digress. Um, um, but I ask every guest, and I would love to know what your example is of a campaign that has been either really inclusive or really bad. Either one, inclusively bad, is my new kind of phrasing. Like mm-hmm. they tried, but it was just it was just not great. I'm gonna go on a positive simply because okay. I didn't have time to fully research, and I asked the team in a rush and everyone was like Charlotte go and do your own job so I was like right okay so I I'm gonna go to positive because as a company we love Pinterest it's one Mm -hmm. of our favorite platforms simply because it's it's not it's I don't see it as a competitor to Instagram or TikTok it's it's its own thing it's evergreen content it's a happy place it's it's lovely um Black History Month since 2020 has been a big thing for Pinterest in the UK um because they um employed an employee who happened to be black and has a real uh go-getter attitude so she asks a lot of questions and then was like 
oh, are we doing a Black History Month campaign for the UK? They were like, oh, no. And then she built one. So consistently now since then, um, was that 2020 or 2021? I think, yeah, I think it must have been 2020. But consistently since then, she's um, she's been fighting. And her team, I don't mm-hmm. say fighting because it's not a fight over there. Pinterest seemed to be quite great at, like, adopting adopting things. But her team are quite diverse and the allies are allying like I'm really into them so they this year or sorry 2022 for Black History Month in October they decided to slightly change up how they did a campaign in that it wasn't obvious so Mm -hmm. uh, I can't go I don't know how much I'm actually able to share because I know the the back end stuff and um I haven't asked permission so I'm not going to go too deep into it but um one of the things I did like about the campaign that they did was how they subtly normalized black creators on the platform. So when you, during the month of October specifically, when you landed on a page and you'd like search, you know, glitter eyeshadow or whatever, Mm -hmm. something specific, it would be very much focused around black creators or black um, art or pins on the app. Um, and the homepage was so, su- it was so subtle. You, it's like very hard to even notice because it, it was so normal. Mm. They didn't make a point of it. It wasn't like, check out all these black creators, yeah, black yeah. fans, black whatever. It just so happens that if it was home, the home accounts that they were pushing were black creators. If it was beauty, it was black creators. If there was a nail um, nail art on, on your homepage, it was a black hand of different skin tones and shades. And they did it in such a subtle way that people didn't even notice. And that for me is amazing because it was normal. That's normal. Yeah, that's the normalization. But <laughs> that's normalization. I really like it. My gut, and this is this thing, I'm trying to combat it. Like If they could <laughs> just turn it on, during Black History Month, why not turn it on? So I think that something they are working on really heavily, and I know that in the back end is trying to get more creators on step because we work with them quite closely on that from different backgrounds. So we on board. Um, so last year, I think we onboarded like 60 new creators um, onto uh-huh. the Pinterest app and they created content um, and or maybe a little bit more. But yeah, we really, and we're just one agency that they work with. So they are really focused on that. Um, so they are doing a good job. I guess it's it's to make it happen all the time. There's a lot that go. It's it's techie stuff. It right? is a lot, yeah. So yeah. Ensure it it's always stuff. inclusive. I don't imagine it's as easy as choosing this specific content that goes on because the 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 platform isn't about specific content. It's about being shown content through an algorithm. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas I think for that campaign, it was very much focusing on specific creators. So I don't I don't believe it's as easy as that because they are a machine. They've been around forever. So but I know that they are tackling it. Um, I don't work for Pinterest, so I'm not going to, you know. You're not going to caveat. No, but I do enjoy the nonchalantness of the campaigns that are coming out around Black History Month yeah. now. It is very much, oh, everyone just happens to be Black. It's not as hard and I've, I've got some in our vault of various campaigns that were just terrible there was one that was by uber eats um black history month 
get five pound off chicken and there's a black woman eating chicken and oh like, yeah why 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 no one no one thought that I was remember like a my trope. husband seeing that my husband's white and he was like is this racism and I was like baby I think it is, I yeah. think it is. <laughs> and he was like I, don't, I just feel like this isn't right and I was like thanks for spotting that um but I was like I feel like it was well intended like the intent was there but it just was a bit it just was a bit but no I I I like the subtlety of just doing something and just keep it pushing um I'm excited to see what happens this year because I don't know International Women's Month this year wasn't as I think everything's just not as pizzazzy as it once was I think people are just I think people are tired I think people are like oh okay there's this like we didn't do anything for International Women's Month as of yet we still got half we're halfway through the month but we didn't do anything big this year um but as a business we are in we're just very busy trying to just push our creators all year round so we're like oh um the influencer space is made up it's predominantly of women 70 77 percent of the influence spaces are, are women um mm. according to, to statistics so you know this is an all year round problem for us so we're like really pushing that and our audience is you know predominantly women but um yeah last year black history month was very disappointing across the board i i was actually borderline offended by the lack of interest i saw from Mm. the world and only offended because don't come in 2020 and 2021 with all this chat and then hype, all this thing and then disappear but something i am seeing and i don't know I don't want to talk about it too much because I'm I'm waiting to see more, but I'm seeing a, a real rise in interest in the South Asian community in yeah. the last couple of months. And I'm very excited about that because I always say um to like to the world, and that's why we're an inclusive influence marketing agency and not a black creator focused agency, because well, I'm a bit biased because my family, um, through marriage, we have a lot of um different types of people and we're very multicultural as a family and my nieces are mixed Caribbean and and Indian so mm-hmm. um and, and white there's you know a mixture there so um whatever I do I'm always like what will what will they see you know will they see their black side will they see their Indian side will they so for us working with South Asian creators is really important specifically to me um and, and my sister who works who works with with me but um I think I'm seeing more and more interest in working with South Asian creators outside of Diwali and, and Ramadan and Eid. As um, say, I've seen a lot of Ramadan content popping up a lot more good. bold, it, like, because it's been doing it for a while. I remember, I think it was 2018, I saw a Facebook campaign. I was like, okay, Facebook, you know, yeah. but now it's at like a forefront, but I'm, yeah. it's good. I want to speak to individuals because I'm I'm curious to know if it's going to take the same trend of pride mm. where it becomes too saturated. Yeah. But, but it's the thing very about Ramadan and Eid is like something that's missed. It's such a good, economically, financially, it's such a good place to sit as marketers. Like, yep. I, it blows my mind how much people do not know about the Muslim community and 
their spending habits. Um, and I'm always just like, this is where we're going to spend the money. This is Christmas. Like, you know how you celebrate Christmas and you push all of the ads for that? This is that again. You've got it twice. Do I it. love it. It's like the, the inner capitalist jumping out like, do you see the opportunity? Yeah, I'm like, do you see the potential? <laughs> because they're spending. So you spend with them. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and that happens twice a year, you know. So, and then, you know, you've got Christmas and if you want to add all, you know, all the other ones, you can put Passover, Diwali, whatever. But Ramadan and Eid is a, re- is a really good marketing space, like place to to put marketing efforts. And it just blows my mind that people don't think about it. it. We have to push brands that we work with to to even think about it because they clearly just don't have that diversity in their team, their staffing. So that it's just not something they've ever thought about. They're missing it altogether. I think there's a whole other conversation we can have. Probably would love to have you back on the podcast around the whole money in diversity and inclusion in marketing. And and, Uh, and I sometimes I say things quite crass for people because they always think it's like, oh, I'm like, no, I want to be on a yacht. I can see inclusive marketing affording me a yacht. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah. Why why is that so far checked? They they're so surprised. They're like, "Oh, you must be a not-for-profit organization." I'm like, no, there's this is marketing. We are still trying to influence people. I need to, to take do your things. mindset because I'm in a very different space right now, where I'm just I'm just trying to keep it together. <laughs> <laughs> we will catch up, but let the people know where they can find you if they want to get in touch, find out more. What's the ch- chance to reach you on? Yes, so you can find us across the board at Seven Six Agency Instagram, TikTok, which we're just trying to make it work over there uh linkedin all, all those fun places um me personally i'm charlotte seven six so the letters not the numbers s-e-v-e-n six um and then if you want to get in touch email us hello at seven six agency.com and yeah we can help you specifically with your influence marketing needs um we do all things influence marketing it just so happens to be inclusive when you work with us love it thank you so much for joining me Charlotte and thank you for tuning in to the podcast see you again next week